Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome back to Parts Unknown. I'm Matt Davis, the man of a thousand holds, and here with me this week as we're breaking down WrestleMania 27 from 2011. Dashing Anton Tolui. Hello there. The show-off Carl Anker. Hello. WWE for a while had Dr. Death Steve Williams. It was not successful. We've got Dr. Carrie Dunn. It very much has been. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. All right, so let's head to the Georgia Dome for the biggest WrestleMania in ever. A strange one, this pretty poor card, headlined by a very young and unpopular Miz. And uniquely for a WrestleMania, no titles changed hands on this card. We had the last televised match for Adam Copeland, aka Edge, who retires the following week. And Michael Cole is a heel and wears a leotard in an actual ring and has a match. More on that later. Um, but as we usually do, we'll go in terms of um, the matches we either like best or thought were the most significant on the card. Um, the best match on the card, I would suggest, would be Undertaker versus Triple H in a no-holds-barred match, the standard half-hour Triple H WrestleMania match. Carrie, you love this WrestleMania. You've got only positive things to say about <laughs> it, so I'll let you have first crack. OK, um, I should probably preface this by saying that this was actually my first WrestleMania I came back to as an adult. So um, my insomnia kicked in really badly kind of at the start of this year. <laughs> and uh, so I was kind of flicking through channels at kind of two o'clock in the morning. and ended up watching Raw at the start of kind of 2011. And this was kind of the time when John Morrison was doing a lot of stuff. He's an attractive man. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, um, he caught my eye. I did not go back to sleep. That was and... a great WrestleMania botch as well when they put the um, <laughs> strap for him being Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison, yeah. yeah. And so, yes, this was my first WrestleMania that I came back to as an adult, having watched it as a kid. And, um, yeah, take and a... Stayed. And I stayed. I mean, Jesus Christ. I'm watching this back. I was thinking, what the hell was I thinking? This just, is terrible. I a John Morrison myself. fever dream. It's fine. That's it all right. Literally, my entire life has been wrecked by the fact that John Morrison has abs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I've completely lost my train of thought thinking about John Morrison now. But, but, yeah. Take a Triple H. I remember really liking it at the time. It goes on for so long. It's at least 10 minutes too long. Is it just me thinking that because I really hate Triple H? This comes back to my culpability argument in a way, I think, Carl, in that you would expect one of these two to not be self-involved enough I suppose to be able to go hang on a minute we could trim 10 minutes from this match and uh, everybody would be happier with it notable thing about Wrestlemania 27 is that it's the last Wrestlemania where the main event includes two full-timers John Cena and Miz are the last two full-timers on the roster to main event Wrestlemania and some people say oh that's cool and other people go yeah that main event was so bad that they said nope nope never 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 
Um, I was talking to my friend about this, watching it back, going, this, this is the worst thing I've seen in a long time. And he goes, this is in that unique sweet spot where the territories have dried up and the functioning indies haven't quite grown. So there's, unless you look like Brock Lesnar or Randy Orton, unless you look like that, you're not going to get picked up. So you, you get, I can imagine Triple H and Undertaker must have a discussion going, there is no one else. It is just us two. We have to save this entire show and therefore we have to do the half hour slot. Um, this has my favourite moment in the entire streak, which is when Triple H goes to pin uh, Undertaker and Undertaker gets the 2.9 kick out and Triple H just kicks himself away from him. Just like in sheer shock. It's like, what are you? Get away from me. Um but other than that, it's a really long match. <laughs> um, Anton, they, they obviously set up next year's match with the fact that um, Triple H walked out, but Undertaker left on a stretcher. W- was that what you were thinking at the time? We'll see this again next year, or were you thinking maybe it's 19 and no one out for No, I, I thought that when Undertaker's stumbling around like a village drunk and then still goes back to win the match, then there was unresolved business. I, 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 this didn't feel like the end of a chapter. This felt like this the start of something. And at the time, I, I remember thinking, oh, there'll still be a match at SummerSlam or whatever else is to follow. I didn't realise it was obviously going to be at the next WrestleMania. Um, but I preferred this match to the match at 28. And I don't... not I know, obviously, Carl probably, Carl probably doesn't in terms of... I this build. It's got the best non-verbal build you have, you've seen in mm-hmm. WWE. The heelish smirk when Triple H looks up at the WrestleMania yeah. sign when they're in the ring on yeah. That's wrestling. You want to tell me why is wrestling great? Just that segment. Just two men look at each other, look at a sign and they understand they have to fight how many weeks down the line. That is all you need from wrestling. And that basic build meant that the crowd was really into the match. The amount of 19-0 and signs and Undertaker signs and stuff. Uh, people people wanted to see this match in many ways. It was the main event of the card in a lot of people's oh, eyes. It definitely was. I mean, it definitely was, like you said, because the build was, was brilliant. And the match was really nicely orchestrated. It didn't need like it did it in the at 28 where there were weapons and the build-up and people went through tables very early and that kind of thing. This was, you know, a pedigree kick-out and then, you know, all of a sudden, a bar driver kick-out, another pedigree kick-out because these were just two guys, two goliaths of, re- of wrestling that couldn't better each other. And that's, you know, that's, and that's what the build basically sold us and that's what the match gave us. And that's, I preferred this one more than the bout they had a year later. This is my turn to be annoyed at the Sledgehammer spot. When Triple H is in the Anna, uh, Hell's take, Gate. Take, just, you take him my lines. Just get him in the kidney, mate. Just yeah. right there. You're holding it. You don't have to get, like, 12 to 6. I, I presume Triple H like has a sponsorship deal with, like, Wix or something, where in terms of he has to have a sledgehammer, but cannot use it irresponsibly because it will damage the brand. So it has to sort of... It, otherwise, why is it there? When, when in his spot calling we hear everything you need all in one place, then, then we'll know exactly, that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that it's kicked in. Um, in terms of the main event, it was Miz with Alex Riley. Remember him? Glows Alex Riley uh, against John Cena, who hated Alex Riley. Uh, Miz sort of goes over here. Rock comes in after... Well, what happened was there was a double DQ on the outside after Miz had suffered a legit concussion and looks absolutely knocked for six in this. Rock, who was the host of WrestleMania, comes out, uh, says, no, 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 as he is wont to do, rather than just saying no, and says, we'll restart the match, blah, blah, blah. John Cena gets taken out by Rock. Miz wins. Miz gets taken out as well. Long road for Mike Mizanin to go on from here to where he is today. 
my favourite thing about this, Carrie, was the hype video they did on Miz before the match uh, from his days in the real world reality TV show up until this point. I thought we, we've we kind of been quite critical of WWE as a company over the last few shows. One thing they can get really right, which maybe doesn't get enough love, is their production department and the, the stuff they do like this, which is up there with anything that you know an ESPN 30 for 30 would show you or whatever it's it's really really good stuff oh absolutely and I think uh, the way they've told the Miz story is also is actually really good and the way that they use him has been really good I remember him doing Blue Peter around this Wrestlemania time as well which was just hilarious it's absolutely amazing the Miz on Blue Peter just healing it up and the presenters had no idea how to deal with it he spends the like two thirds of the chunk just repeatedly hitting on Helen just like, yep, yep, you're okay. You should go out. We should go date. Blah, 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 blah. You know. Oh, she doesn't. Does she know it's a work? That I, you do can't, you I can know never, it's a work? Yeah, it's so funny. And he's so good. So perhaps that concussion was kind of the start of all his powers. But watching him actually sustain that concussion and stumble about for that long and then the match restarting, all that stuff, it's quite painful to watch. I'm not good at watching people actually legit get hurt. It makes me quite upset. And yeah, poor Miz. This is horrible. Yeah, and he then obviously gets squashed as well by Rock Carl. But do you think that that Vince will have taken to Miz even more than he did to the point where he put him in the WrestleMania main event because he worked concussed for the end of it? You imagine Vince McMahon giving him a big pat on the back at the end of that for saying thanks for sticking to the script, pal? No, I think I think there was so much contempt behind the Miz for so many years. There's like a really famous... It's a gif, it's obviously from one of the DVDs when Miz comes backstage after a match and he goes to shake everyone's hand and Triple H is just there clapping still when everyone's still clapping and like everyone stops their applause and Miz is trying to shake Triple H's hand. Triple H is still clapping. I think they've hated, they hated the Miz for a long, long time. Um, he was legitimately ostracised when he by by the talent when he joined. Well, this is what I was, and, and, come and they to. built that into the storyline, didn't they? And they mentioned it on the short-lived network series "Bring It to the Table," where JBL they were they were talking about Enzo at the time, but JBL said the only person he's ever seen being kicked out the locker room and make his way back in uh, is Miz. So, Anton, in the last couple of years, smarks like us have got on board with the Miz and said, "Hey, isn't he great?" Um, He's a legit Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But in terms of somebody who didn't come from an indie background, who is a WWE guy through and through, in a similar way to the way Dolph Ziggler came, you look at how their um, trajectories have gone in different ways. It's, it's, it almost feels like you can't praise The Miz enough for the obstacles that he's overcome to get himself into the position that he's in now. Yeah, and he the great thing about the hype video you, were, you mentioned a few minutes ago, in which he's sitting in a sort of TV gallery and you've got him watching, basically watching tape of him in the real world where he explains, oh, I've developed this character. And then you've got him watching the likes of Flair and Rock and Stone Cold, basically to learn how to be a great heel. And it's not his fault that this match came too early. And a year later... He is what you know in a into in a what a tag match for you know raw supremacy or something. So in terms of there's no way Vince gave him a pat on the back and said well done you know you're our guy because he got not even pushed to the mid card he he got way back he wasn't even in the IC title picture really a year later. So it's really difficult because I think there was such negative sentiment towards him in the locker room that it affected it stunted his growth but made him better in the long term because he knew he basically channeled that anger and knew what he could get away with by you know within WWE 
knew what he could get away with in interviews and then eventually sort of you know and whilst always working on what he, how good he is in the ring because he's he's brilliant now but he wouldn't be anywhere near as good if he if they hadn't made it really difficult for him which is quite sad a byproduct of this is the fact that CM Punk got so annoyed by the fact that Miz was in the main event instead of him. Would it have made any sense for, for CM Punk to have, have taken his place? And how would Punk have felt about jobbing out onto The Rock right at, at the end? I don't think CM Punk likes The Rock. Um, so I don't think CM Punk likes many people. No, I don't think he likes many people. Uh, so one big thing when people are like, oh, CM Punk will one day come back to WWE. When you think about it is a lot of people that get brought back into the flock of WWE do it because Triple H is the one offering the olive branch. And we know for a fact Triple H and CM Punk don't see eye to eye. So that's but CM Punk doesn't mean impression of Triple H. Yeah. Anybody who heard that infamous Cabana podcast will tell you it um, is spot on. And again, in the Colt Cabana podcast, Punk tried so hard to angle himself into the subsequent subsequent feuds with uh, Rock and Cena because I, I think CM Punk thinks he's above The Rock and The Rock's cartoony style and I think it came through a lot in that 2013 feud around the Royal Rumble where CM Punk goes you can go across the world and do whatever you want and come back and I'll kick your ass and you can go off and do this and do this and do all these promos and come back and I'll still kick your ass your arms are too short to box with God there was so much fury in his voice that even if he did get whatever in this match with John Cena and then get squashed by Rock. I think he still would have been fuming and we still would have had this I want to use the word cataclysmic but I don't love him that much come on Carl rein it in <laughs> well let's go from that main event to what CM Punk was doing which was not the main event it was um, a match in which he lost to Randy Orton this was around the time that Randy Orton had a DVD profiling him coming out which I'm sure was some part of the decision to do it we've spoken quite a lot about CM Punk um, and we haven't said much positive about Randy Orton. I'm wondering if, if anybody can um, look deep enough into their notes and scratch their heads to come up with something something not negative to say about uh, Randall Keith in, in this particular WrestleMania. The silence is overwhelming. I think we're all racking our brains. No, I've nothing good to say about Orton at all, at least not for the, the, the previous 10 years. Come back to me when we get to 2008. I'll try then. <laughs> the premise for this match was really confusing, wasn't it? Because basically they needed to get Orton back in the title picture back two years before. So he punted mm-hmm. um, Punk in the head before a match at Unforgiven and Punk obviously couldn't couldn't come out and, and take part in the title match. And then that got there was no follow-up at the time, nothing at all. So when Punk was very much over with the you know with the fans even more than he was back then they thought oh now we've got something to tap into and it still wasn't really because at the moment at that time he was then head of new nexus which this match buries effectively because he you know in the in the build-up orson punted them all the members in the head and so none of them could be ringside so the the only good thing about this build-up was punk constantly referring to orson as randall <laughs> love that abs because you knew it would have driven him wild yeah it was so you know i really want to say something positive why i'm what? sorry i'm sorry matt i can't <laughs> just randy orton should never be a face he has his resting face has a smirk on it um and this is why the best thing he did for like five years was when he was linked to the authority and had that smirk and triple h is going yeah i know me and randall keith orton have history but 
look at him and look at Daniel Bryan. Like, that worked because that was the best characters, just exaggerations of who you are. So when, wh- why am I supposed to cheer for Randy Orton? He's a third generation superstar. He got told by Arn Anderson to stop doing flippy moves because even though he can do all the flippy moves, it lessens his character. And he's been able, he's been pre-naturally determined to do stuff at the age of eight years of age that will take me 15 years of running the ropes to ever learn. Why should I ever feel sorry for this man? Why should I ever feel vulnerable for this guy? This guy's got th- 13 title range. Just make him the jackass we all know he is. All the time. <laughs> it is really difficult to like a guy that looks like he is enjoying the smell of his own farts. And that's effectively what, our, that's effectively what Orton is. In terms of he just sits there with a smirk and he's thinking, I, I, I just, he just sat... I'd love to tap into the disdain that he has for other people. Mm. That should be his character, but it isn't. It's just this guy who sort of is withdrawn and just, you know, turns up and catches his paycheck. This is why the RK works. This is why the punt works. Like, it works when he has explosive moments of anger because he's a huge guy. And if Randy Orton wants to get you, he gets you really quickly and that's it. You're dead. You're, You're on the ground and that's the end of you. Just do that all the time. And instead of being this weird chinlock guy. All right, well, that's our Randy Orton bashing for this week. I suppose we can say on the on the positive side, at least he's not shitting in women's handbags anymore. <laughs> um, back to the very start of the card, where Edge beat Alberto Del Rio in the WWE Championship match. Alberto Del Rio with Brodus Clay as the muscle uh, in... <laughs> <laughs> Why was he there? Why was he there? It he made, didn't they, do anything, they basically. Just cut did he? To, they cut to this huge guy wearing Brodus Clay on his T-shirt, which is never a good sign when you have to explain who you are <laughs> on your own ring gear. <laughs> oh, it was odd, wasn't it? Bittersweet, this as well, Carrie, wasn't it? Because it turned out to be uh, Edge's farewell match, although we didn't know it at the time. I remember being super surprised that Alberto Del Rio d- didn't win here because he'd been doing it. It's my destiny yeah. bit in the, in the build-up. It's such a strange match as well. I mean, this is kind of... In in microcosm, why WWE baby faces of the PG era are horrible. Okay, so they're just mean. Edge and Christian are just mean, and they're smashing up this car. Why are they elbow dropping a car? In what planet is that ever going to be a good idea? It's just it's just ridiculous. And yeah. So Del Rio came out in a big Rolls Royce. It was at the top of the stage, and once Edge had won the match, he went back and attacked the car for some reason um, and smashed it up. Um, that's not very logical, Carl. One thing that I think. Uh, we might be able to heap praise on, or one person, I should say, who I quite miss. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking as I'm saying this now that everybody's going to disagree with me. But I was a big Ricardo Rodriguez fan. And when he was doing his classic ring announcement of the whole thing uh, in Spanish and then eventually saying Alberto Del Rio, etc. Did, did that work for you? Was it fun? It did. It, it's amazing how many gimmicks in WWE have got over with just someone saying their name over and over again so you've got Rusev Day Alberto Lerio uh, previous to that uh, Mr. Kennedy saying your name like a Pokemon works <laughs> in WWE uh, I, I like this match something that I also picked up Christian like I think Christian's one of the great lost superstars because obviously he did go over to TNA Christian has everything and like he had a great his, feud with Randy Orton. He did. I, you know, if you get a great feud at Randy Orton, you're something. You know, he, he called his fans his peeps. He called himself Captain Charisma, which I'm not ashamed to admit I call myself that every now and again <laughs> when I'm winning at Mario Kart. Um, <laughs> and do you break it down for a five-second pose for the benefit of those with flash photography as well? I really do. The <laughs> fact that before it became the kill switch, his finishing move was the unprettier as well. There was so much... 
like this is a great thing about Edge and Christian is they were clearly goofballs having loads of fun, uh, and you know the stories of Edge uh, being at WrestleMania six, um, and they're clearly goofballs, and they clearly have to a less degree Cody Rhodes has this as well. Um, just like they're the- they're theater geeks in like the truest sense of the word, they they, they will watch hamlet and go how can we put that into a wrestling match like edge has clearly watched macbeth and gone how can i be macbeth when i fight the undertaker and i really enjoy that like the like the dumb these guys clearly spend all their time on the road watching old vhs tapes from all over the world from all these weird films and they feed all of that into their into their into their matches and i think yeah whacking the car with crowbars afterwards yeah it's dumb but They've always been dumb. Yeah, but be good at it. Not dumb. It's be, just be, mean. Be, be good at whacking a car or not. They didn't quite go the whole hog. They didn't sort of, you know, Street Fighter massively smash up the car. Because they... They, they just sort of, you know, their windscreen went and they took the, the Rolls-Royce sort of symbol off the top. And because think, they're nuts. Like, of, of course, kids who grew up like Edge and Christian, first things first, would take off the hood ornament. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, like, Brock Lesnar wrecks a car, he's going to smash your windshield first. Edge smashes a car. Oh, Rolls-Royce sign. It and is, taking the Rolls Royce sign off. That's stupid. It is sad, though, that this is that's the last image of post match of Edge, you know, not quite beating up a car properly. It, <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> it's effectively, you know, not, not quite knowing how to destroy an inanimate object. That's Edge, a you know, elbow in terms dropping of, a car and the next day going, I've ruined my spine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. why am I yeah. the Edge? I mean, there was, I mean, there's, I mean, it's odd watching this match back because obviously we, we now know. What you know, the just how bad a condition Edge was in going into that match, and little things like when you saw Del Rio's arm drag from the top rope and Edge lands effectively on his neck during the match, and you're just thinking, oh, it actually made me wince in terms of I am glad that you are done. In terms of I hate that you know, in terms of with, with Daniel Bryan's return, for example, there's always that element of me being worried for, worried about them because you know I have emotionally invested in this character and because I want them to have a normal life when they decide to retire or when they move on and that kind of thing. So it was actually even even watching this, and I'm fear going further back. I'm going to watch the matches and think. Oh, Edge. Oh, no, that's going to... That, that led to that. On Kurt Angle matches to watch soon. Oh, God, yeah, exactly. At least, you know, at least he had the, the constant number of painkillers to get him through them. But um, <laughs> we've, um, we've spoken a lot about Edge over the last couple of episodes, but we've not really delved into Alberto Del Rio. For me, um, he never made the most of the talent that he's got. He's got a great look. He had a legitimate um, MMA background. The gimmick was okay. He never really made the most of it, as I say. Are we kind of lucky now, as we sit here in May 2018, as we record, knowing that we've got Andrade Cien Almas just been called up to SmackDown, that means that we don't need to re-sign Alberto Del Rio and go through another nonsensical Mex-Americans, half-interested bloke, um, getting in Page's way kind of thing. Are we saying Del Rio and WWE are finished now? Oh, gosh, yeah. There's too much of a stink on him to bring him back, and... I think if impacts are firing you, it's not a good look. Oh, wait, exactly. <laughs> and um, I mean, you're right. Del Rio had genuinely had it all in terms of he transitions into the cross arm breaker better than anyone I've ever seen. The way he gets the height and the and the turn is is a thing of beauty. And at the same time, you're watching him and you want him to lose because he's a terrible human being, mm. not because of his character at all. And why would you why would you ever bring that person back? He's similar to Randy Orton in that. Because he grew up with it and around it, he can do so many of the little things so well. He's got this little, um, you'll be on your knees and he kicks you in the side of the head and he slaps his leg. It's seamless. Like, it looks beautiful. It looks nasty. He's got 
some of the best heel I'm going to target a limb psychology you will see in in like this decade worth of wrestling. There's the match against Dolph Ziggler in about 2013, maybe 14, where Ziggler has real life just come back from a concussion. And Del Rio just goes at his head the entire time. And you're like, this is this is repellent. You're a horrible human being. And you get the the double turn. I can't believe I'm saying this. Where Dolph becomes a face for persisting, even though he's clearly concussed, and Del Rio becomes a heel for kicking this guy in the head all the time. And you don't know where Del Rio, you're you're a genuine, awful human being, stops, and where Del Rio, you're a fantastic heel, begins. And that that's pretty much the best way I can describe Del Rio. No, I think you're absolutely right in that his heel work is exceptional and watching him as a heel is very compelling, which is why it makes you wonder why they ever tried to turn him face in any of the stories they ever gave him because he's one of those performers that you watch and kind of think you're very, very dislikable in all possibly all Again, possible ways. Natural face is a smirk. Yes. And when he, when he calls you a dog, I'm like, oh, wow, you just really mm. believe you put your shoe in me. And right. Kevin Owens really, really killed that, didn't he? Brilliantly. One backstage segment. Oh, you're just going to call someone a pero, are you? Brilliant. That's all you do. <laughs> I love you, Kevin Owens. Um, I want to come back to something which was a recurring theme in the show, uh, but ended up in a match. He or Michael Cole in the coal mine. Um, blank expressions all round. Again, I'm going to court controversy and say that I thought this was a hoot from start to finish. No, Not you... the match, but the commentary from no, the very no, start no. when he said no, to... Mate, uh, you're, you're, you're a commentator. That's your job. You are a football commentator. Uh, that's what you do for a living. You In the, in the previous podcast, you... Yeah, extol the virtues of JR and how he summed up the world of commentary. And then you've just got this interminable, intolerable, silly bickering ruining each match. But I did enjoy the the very, very start when he said to to, uh, Jerry, not the King Lawler, uh, maybe if you'd saved your money, you wouldn't have to come to the ring and track (laughs) Just little, odd little zingers that he threw in, um, I quite liked. In terms of the match, carry, so it's um, Michael Cole versus Jerry, not the King Lawler, with Steve Austin as special guest referee and Jack Swagger in... um, in Cole's corner. He eventually gets dragged out the coal mine. They have the match. A couple of things that I enjoyed in this were the reactions of Swagger and Cole when Stone Cold's music hit and the look of shock on their face and whatever. I thought this could have been a fun five minutes. Um, get your get your parts unknown bingo card out. Palette cleanser of a match. It ended up being way too long, way too silly, and it featured the uh, much maligned raw anonymous general manager. It goes on for about two hours, I'm sure. It must do. It must be at least two-thirds of that time for that WrestleMania. It's hideous. Um, my notes actually say this is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I have to say about it. It's terrible. And Michael Cole in a singlet and Michael Cole being a heel and talking and Jerry Lawler doing anything. Oh, God, no, nothing. Nothing is good about this. Nothing. The image of Michael Cole's face squashed against the plexiglass summed up, I think, how we all felt. So it looked like he was passing a turf full of razor blades. And that's <laughs> that's how I felt watching it. So that sums it up, really, for me. And 
even the ending in terms of after they got rid of Cole and then they brought in the the awful raw anonymous general manager to reverse the decision. Fine, okay, we're done now. Oh no, when we got up the usual sort of you know Stone Cold celebrates Booker T. And fine, right, oh, fine, whatever. Like that's it's WrestleMania. I can I can kind of deal with that. And you've got tough enough to promote, which is what they were doing at the time. Both Stone Cold and and Booker were on that, but then. Then Josh Matthews, who reads the message on behalf of the anonymous general manager, then gets dragged, basically called into the ring to have a beer and gets stone and gets stunned by Stone Cold. So basically, the message is: if you don't like the message, just shoot the messenger in the face. Basically, <laughs> is the, tough is, enough is alumni, this. Josh Matthews, of yeah, course, show, as well. Yeah. Um, in the in the very first one, let's rattle through uh, the other couple of matches that happened because there's not much to say about them, frankly. A really strange eight man tag, Carl. Big Show, Kane, Kofi Kingston. Love it when you hear wrestlers' old music, and I really loved Kofi's old music. Versus the core. Um, now I've spoke to Stu Bennett about about the core, and he has no explanation as to what it was supposed to be, why it happened, uh, or why it was him, Slater, Gabriel, and Ezekiel Jackson. Um, favorite core match was this it? Let's say yes and move on quickly. Why did they spell the core with two R's? Because the band probably had trademark over. Over the, the actual, you know, yeah. Can, is it? I, I, yeah, gen- yeah, I genuinely don't know. I do love a stable. I, 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 I do miss a lot of stables that didn't quite get going. But this is one that you see, like, oh yeah, they were, they were a thing. Oh, poor Wade Barrett. I love, I love Stu Bennett and, and Wade Barrett and all that. Like, he's such, he's such a great bloke, and it's such a shame to see it because this match, effectively, the core, the core were killed by Santino Morella. What yeah. what more can you say? Oh, it, 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 oh, it was awful. It was it was just such a shame, such a shame. Terrible faction, terrible band. We did get some high quality divas action though, in the form of a mixed tag match: John Morrison, Trish Stratus, and Jersey Shore's own Snooky against Dolph Ziggler and Laycool, who were Layla and Mrs. Undertaker Michelle McCool. Um, this match, I guess, famously known for John Morrison totally cold-shouldering Trish Stratus because he thought that Melina, his then girlfriend, should have been in it. Um, Snooky, Carrie, I'm, I'm guessing this is where you completely flip on your theory of uh, sexism and the poor promotion of women in WWE because because Snooky. Who is Snooky? Um, I think the, the question is, what is a Snooky? What is a Snooky? Uh, at the time... Was, it, was she proper famous? She was big. It'd be as if I'm, I'm going to date this episode badly. If the next heavyweight title match had Charlotte of Geordie Shaw involved somehow yeah. in the major storyline, I think story that makes thing. it less. I, I think that's. I think that's a slightly dated reference now, isn't it? Good. There'll be someone else that we don't know about, isn't it? Um, she was a big enough deal that I remember reading uh, my copy of playstation magazine and there was a little segment about snooki was gonna i'm probably pronouncing the name wrong was gonna turn up at wrestlemania and i think you're right huh interesting i just i know they cool they deserve better than this they call being like the first tables match and stuff and then they get thrown into this at wrestlemania 27 it's just it's just bad and jomo ignoring trish and oh God, no, it's all an absolute mess. <laughs> Obviously, the match started with the usual, the women get emotional, try to brawl, or claw, I suppose not brawl isn't the right yeah. word, and the men have to hold them back. Yeah, that's what we do all the time. Exactly, it's just, yeah, exactly. Um, 
obviously Lawler says something sexist within the first five seconds of someone walking down the ramp this time because he says, thought Black was supposed to be slimming when he sees Vicky Guerrero. Yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. So straight away you're saying... Oh, Jerry Lawler is saying that. Let's just point it out. Jerry Lawler is calling yeah. someone else yeah. fat. And uh, anybody that doesn't know who or what Snooki is, just go and type in South Park and Snooki and oh, their interpretation wow. of what Snooki is is absolutely hilarious and... Uh, destroys her. Okay, stick around. We'll be wrapping up WrestleMania 27 next. Welcome back. So the Hall of Fame for WrestleMania 27, a mixed bag, I think it's fair to say. Shawn Michaels, The Legion of Doom, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Abdullah the Butcher, Sonny and Drew Carey. Um, Abdullah the Butcher, as you can see, great story in Mick Foley's first book about how those grooves in his head, uh, he can fit casino chips in. So they used to do that when they were in the casino to freak out the croupier. I just love that for some reason. Um, This is a a pretty inoffensive class by uh, the standards of what was to follow. There's no maniacal (laughs) president. There's no rapist boxer. No. Good um, stuff. Yeah, and Drew Carey still gets more stick than either the rapist (laughs) boxer or the maniacal president. Yeah. No. Absolutely fine, isn't it, as far as Hall of Fames go? Slightly, slightly, slightly sad that Sonny and Shawn Michaels had to be inducted at the same time. Do you think that that was a rib on Shawn? Yeah. Do you? Must be. Really? So for those who don't know, um, Sonny in her autobiography goes into very lurid details about the affair that she and Shawn Michaels had while she was going out with Chris Candido when they were both in WWF as was and and they took a, a vacation to Jamaica together, Sonny and Shawn. And then obviously we had the Brett's been seeing some sunny days crack years later from Shawn. We could do a podcast on Sonny on her own, actually, because she's, a, she's a, a very, very tragic but sort of weirdly fascinating character. Anything else stand out, Hall of Fame-wise? Hacksaw Jim Duggan's 2x4 is wearing a little bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> which which uh, made me smile. All right, so summing up WrestleMania 27. Oh, Legion of Doom as well. Like, let's talk about them. Legion of Doom, apparently, so the story goes, uh, the largest pop you will ever, ever hear in wrestling. They is... always call it a road warrior pop, yeah. don't they? If it's a good pop. The Le- Legion of Doom getting pops during the territorial era are, are the largest pops just ever. Um I, I can't verify that, so I'll say the largest pop you will ever hear is Stone Cold Steve Austin, 1998 Royal Rumble is the loudest pop you hear on WWF TV. So WrestleMania 27, The Rock was the host of the event. Um, he came out, first of all, saying that Cena was in the back deciding which Fruity Pebble t-shirt he's going to put on tonight. Uh, he had to sort of stop for a drink halfway through his promo. He looked a little bit rattled. Um, one thing that I did think about this when he came out, obviously he got a, a big pop. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a sidebar, but I'd like to talk about it anyway. Good entrance music is so important and The Rock undoubtedly has that and that helped set the scene for him and maybe helped him get away with the fact that he kind of bumbled his way through a weird promo that went on for far too long. Oh, absolutely. Um, The idea of having a host of WrestleMania anyway is a bit weird to me. I don't really understand apart from kind of just filling some time and space with someone who was very famous. But yeah, he was an absolute shambles, this opening section. I mean, perhaps he was thinking about what was going to happen later on and what he had to do in the important bit. I don't know. But yeah, this whole first 20 minutes was an absolute mess. Um, And let's go straight from that into the backstage skit with then, I think then champion, as he referenced, wasn't it? Eve Torres and uh, Mae Young, who he said he could basically rock and said, oh, I'll woo the next person I see. And obviously it was Mae Young and and rah, rah, rah. Um, Why? This is the 
grossest thing. This is just horrible. So you've got Rock talking about... Oh, Rock and May both talking about his penis, which is just, yeah, not PG, I would say. And It is if you call it strudel. Oh, yeah, it's fine if you call it strudel. Jesus Christ. Um, or and, big fella and whack your thigh repeatedly and say, easy big fella. Oh, God. God I'm and really it's just... It's the way they always use Mae Young in these segments, the fact that she is old and therefore it is funny, in, particularly if she says anything regarding sex at all. And yet you have Jerry the King Lawler perving on the 20-something women throughout the rest of all these WrestleManias. And it's like, how is that different to what Mae Young is doing when she's trying to flirt with The Rock? But Jerry Lawler is, is OK to do that but Mae Young is not. It's just WWE double standards all the time, and it is just disgusting. And the fact that The Rock is calling her inappropriate, when it's him talking about his penis for the previous 10 minutes. You're picking up with The Rock as well in terms of at the end. Um, I also, he ruined the main event. He did ruin the main event because he comes out and obviously, you know, The Miz and is legitimately concussed, as you said. And he comes out and says, we, we need to, this needs to come to a finish. But he comes out and says, I don't care what the anonymous Raw general manager thinks. That we're going to have a finish. You're the host, mate. That's not your job. That's like Dimbleby during the election coverage going, I don't care what the electric says. Green Party won and, I don't know, Snooky's Prime Minister. Really Done. In terms of, you can't do that, mate. Go away. Like, go, he, starts, he starts the programme looking like basically a rejected pit bull. In terms of, like, I mean, Pitbull isn't the, the awful recording artist, not the adorable animal. I respect Mr. Worldwide right now. <laughs> never, never. Um, comes out in an unbranded track suit wearing aviators inside, spouting old things that, that you know, were, were phrases 10 years ago. Oh, it's, it's awful. He, it's, oh, it's just terrible. He was just terrible throughout the whole thing. And it, he encapsulates, unfortunately, all the bad elements of this WrestleMania. Carl, you've met him. Um, it, when he was in work mode, obviously. The, the Dwayne Johnson that we see in 2018 doing nice stuff on Instagram, um, I believe that that is genuinely who he is. But going back through these last WrestleManias, we've seen a different side of him professionally. Where, where do you think the real man sits in between the character and the social media presence? I, th- I think The Rock is a, on balance, very nice, very hardworking human being who's going to be a superb president, Reaganite president. And it terrifies me. Um, this is a man who wakes up at four and one to go to the gym. This is a guy who left wrestling and got bigger. Please appreciate the absurdity of that. <laughs> who leaves professional wrestling and goes, I need to get even bigger to do the thing I want to do. Um, yeah, this WrestleMania is weird because like his opening segment's 13 minutes long. You have this very bizarre segment with Snoop Dogg where he needs a tag partner and then it cuts the Hornswoggle rapping while the Bella Twins gyrate behind him. Hornswoggle who can't speak, obviously, because what he's got a mythical beast. Yes, or... because he, because leprechauns didn't have the power of speech until it could be expressed in rap and only Snoop Dogg can bring that exactly. out to you. I mean, it's pretty logical, I think. Yeah, sorry. So, so silly. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that was why. Um, this, is, this is the WrestleMania where John Cena has uh, like a gospel choir before his music plays and goes out in his match. This is a WrestleMania that absolutely shows why the death of WCW was one of the worst things that happened to wrestling because once WWE got to the top of the pile, they got to a point where they were, oh, there is no penalty. There is no penalty for us having no ideas. This is the uh, this is the root box of WrestleManias, <laughs> if you want to appreciate that little reference there. 
not sure I can ever appreciate something Robbie Williams adjacent, <laughs> but um, it was certainly a, a good try. Anybody got a WrestleMania moment from what I'm guessing all four of us will say, what have we done now? Uh, seven of these shows and a preview as well, but seven WrestleManias we've looked back at, including 34. Carrie, is this the poorest of the bunch so far? It is. But it does have a William Regal appearance, albeit briefly. So I'm going with that as my WrestleMania moment. His, his rap. Blackpool. <laughs> Blackpool, yeah. I'm William Regal. And Beth Phoenix can actually sing. Ish. Compared to the rest of them, it's fine. Um, I'm going I'm going heel Michael Cole as, as my oh, WrestleMania no. moment. <laughs> Cole? I'm going to rebel. I'm going to go Mae Young being just foul-mouthed and filthy. Okay. Uh, my, one of my favourite Mae Young stories is during the table spot with Bubba Ray Dudley, she apparently told Bubba Ray, you do it properly. Like, you, when you go for that spot, you make sure you absolutely put me through a table. Which, is, there's something about, like, old-fashioned carnyism and wrestling that I will truly never truly understand. Like, the idea of a geriatric Mae Young taking this supposed badass and Bubba Ray Dudley and going, you are nothing. You are nowhere near as in control of violence or in control of anything as I am. I've been there, done that, seen it all. Um, yeah, I just love Mae Young stories. I just love the fact that she's she is the person WWE keeps pretending Fabius Moolah was. Anton, you got a WrestleMania moment? If you'd have asked me before the last takeover, in terms of... I quite like the finish of the Cody Rose match, which we don't really need to mention, but in terms of... Because it used the knee brace and it was quite something a bit different. Now, obviously, Gargano Champa has just destroyed that. Um, but it's got to be the Miss Hype video. That, that for me, in terms of... It, it showed up, showed everything that Miz is now and where, the, sort of the genesis of where, where he came from. An intelligent opinion. If people want more of those uh, in text format, where can they get them on Twitter from you, Anton? From me? Yeah. Pro- oh, well, that's... <laughs> um, at Sky Anton. Cole? Uh, Anchorman 616 Carrie at Carrie Sparkle and we are at the PU Podcast I'm Matt Davis FC Davis is D-8-V-I-E-S next week we're getting all fired up for Wrestlemania 26 in Phoenix, Arizona Jack Swagger becomes Mr Money in the Bank it's Korea versus Streak as Sean takes on Undertaker for the second time and the biggie Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon in a match even worse than the Cole versus Lawler abomination we've just been chatting about I've been Matt Davis you've been in parts of no. The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.